Hello, family. How are you doing on this wonderful Sunday night? I am excited, and I'm just grateful. I just want to thank all of you guys for the subscriptions, the shares, the likes. Tell somebody we are about to get going, and tonight's message, I should have did this like lesson number five, lesson number six of this series. I believe it is that good, and it's a necessary word, a necessary word. As you are getting ready and as you are excited for tonight's preaching presentation, I need everybody to drop this in the room. All caps, drop this comment. It's in me. It's in me. It's in me. It's in me. You can put exclamation point, exclamation point. It's in me. It's in me. Take your screenshot, tag us. Let us know where you are in the world and how the Try Me series is blessing your life. It is in me. It's in me. So let's get to work. Um, I would like to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 32. It has a little length to it, and it's going to be a curveball for the content that we're going to talk about on tonight. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives, their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. A clause of concern and a verse of emphasis takes residence in the final verse of our foundational and its biblical narrative. Verse 32, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. God, you're awesome. Thank you for allowing us to see a sunrise and another sunset on a day that we never saw before and will never see again. We're in high expectation of what's going to happen on tonight. I pray that you anoint my lips to be the PA system of heaven. Allow me, oh God, to be an oracle, your spokesman. And let this message touch the hearts of your people where we can recognize we are called to be your representatives in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. Amen. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. What Paul is breaking down here in Ephesians chapter 5, really most of us think this is all about how husbands are supposed to treat wives and wives are supposed to treat husbands. But he says, listen, I'm not really necessarily talking about that. This is a great mystery I'm speaking about the relationship between Christ and the church. In other words, marriage was designed to be a representation of what Christ and the church looks like. 
This is why it makes so much sense now that God would use unfaithful terminology when he was speaking about the children of Israel indulging in idolatry. He would say things like they went whoring after other gods. This adulterous and unbelieving generation because it is cheating on God. God views it as cheating when we have a lifestyle, emphasis on lifestyle, when we have a lifestyle living according to the flesh but then yet claim to be the bride. Yeah, he views that as cheating when we have a lifestyle, living according to the flesh, but then claim to be his bride. This is why it makes so much sense why the enemy sends you counterfeit after counterfeit and distraction after distraction. It's not even necessarily about you and the spirit realm is deeper. I'm trying to mess up the representation. I'm trying to mess up what you are supposed to represent. I would like to ascribe to you, peradventure, this is why a lot of people have issues with the church. And this is why they have a lot of issues with Jesus. It's not that they have a problem with Jesus. They just have a problem with the people who claim to be followers of Jesus. Yeah, it's not necessarily that they have strong issues with the church. It's that they have an issue with the people who claim to be the church. I'm going to put y'all on game right quick. Can I do that? I'm going to put y'all on game. If you don't know what it means to be put on game, it means I'm about to expound some hard truth to you. <laughs> I want to put you on game. There are a plethora and many types of women in the world. But two types of women that I would like to present to you for tonight's preaching presentation. Type A, this is the type of woman that does not have a value application. Woman A, she doesn't have a value application. Even businesses and corporations understand the importance of an application. If you want to have this position, if you want to work here, you have to apply. I need to know your background. I need to know your information. And then on top of that, I need to know, do you meet the requirements for this position? Do you have the degree? We require this type of license. Did you get this training? Did you pass the bar exam? How did you do on the physical training exam? Do you have all the credentials necessary for this position? Matter of fact, that's not good enough. I, didn't know, I need to know your former employer. <laughs> I need to know your former employer, employer and now give me that information where I can contact them too so I can see if everything that you put on the application, I need to see if you're lying. I need to see if you're lying. Here's something I'm just throwing in here for free. If you ever know somebody's lying, I'm not saying you think, not an assumption, because assumptions are the termites of every relationship. I'm not talking about assumptions, but you know that they're lying. Y'all ever know somebody's lying? You know that they're lying. Here it is. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Just ask about it. Because I need to see how many problems am I really dealing with. <laughs> Y'all missed it. I need to see how many problems am I really dealing with. Am I dealing with you just being a liar? Or am I dealing with you being a liar and like a denying about you lying too? I need to know how many problems I'm dealing with. And here's the crazy thing. You could do all of that. You could fill out the application. They can call your former employer. You can have one interview, two. You can have three interviews and still not get the position. Why? Because we know who we're looking for. They have a value of application. Type A, this woman, she doesn't have a value application. I'm about to get in trouble. Ah, I'm about to get in trouble. This type of woman doesn't have any requirements. Therefore, whoever applies, she hires. 
Whoever applies, she hires. The narcissist, the toxic dictator, the mentally abusive, the verbally abusive, the man that has a body like a man but the mindset of a boy. She doesn't have full awareness of who she is. And there are a breed of, women, a breed of men who are looking for a woman just like that. Trying to put you on truth. There are a breed of men who are looking for a woman like that because they know she'll tolerate me. They know she'll take care of me. She'll cook for me. She'll give me the keys to her apartment. I can move in with her. I can take her car. I can eat up all her chicken. She'll even make excuses for my poisonous behavior because she doesn't know who she is. She has all of these insecurities. She doesn't know her value in Christ. She doesn't know that she's a queen. She doesn't know that she's a woman of purpose. She doesn't know that God has a powerful plan for her life. And then on top of that, she can have daddy issues. Because my first presentation of how a man should love me was supposed to be my father. And now I love hard because it was hard not being loved. Yeah. No, no application. And don't sleep, ladies, while y'all amening and yes. Don't sleep because women do it too. Women do it too. I'm about to mess y'all up. You know this man has no chance. You don't like him at all. You know he has no chance, but he likes you, and you use his feelings to get a free meal. You went out to lunch with this brother. I'm coming all down your street. You know you don't like him, but you like them garlic butter biscuits from Red Lobster, and you know that he'll take you, and he'll pay for your meal, and you'll use his feelings to get what you want. You don't want to pay the money for those movers, and you know he likes you, so you call him up to ask you to, okay, y'all don't want to talk to me. <laughs> you call him up and ask him to come help you because you know that he likes you, and I could use the fact that he likes me to have him do a service that I don't want to pay for. Women do it too. Value application, unaware of it. That's type A. But woman B, oh, she knows who she is. This type of woman, she has a value application. She has requirements and standards. <laughs> Requirement and standards. And please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. There is a difference between a standard and a preference. A standard is he must be saved. A preference is he must be six feet. <laughs> that hits somebody right there in the chest. <laughs> yeah, a standard is she got to be godly. A preference is she got to be curvy. Your standards orbit around fruit. Preferences orbit around flesh. This type of individual, they know who they are, and sometimes men won't even mess with her. They want her, and they know that this is the type of woman that they need, but they won't even mess with her. You know why? Because this type of woman requires for me to be mature. This type of woman won't tolerate my boy-type ways. They won't tolerate my abuse. She won't tolerate my narcissistic behavior. She won't tolerate my manipulation. So what I'm going to do is I really want her, but I'm going to settle for type A because she'll let me sleep with her. She'll let me have sex with her. And then now here's the crazy thing. Woman B will begin to question herself and begin to wonder, what's wrong with me? Why don't men talk to me? Many have tried, but many have failed. And I'm trying to get you to understand that you are the one that's favored. The Bible does not say when he finds you, you get favor. The Bible says when he finds you, 
He gets favored. So you need to know you're favored in your single state and you're favored in your marriage state. You are the ticket to favor. I'm standing here right now as a benefactor of this principle. I know I'm favored because of my wife. And a lot of people, you're questioning yourself because you don't recognize that you're the one with the favor. And men will begin to walk around and say, you know what? That's wifey. I know I'm not mature enough. Dudes can recognize this in high school. There's one girl who was sleep with the whole football team, but then there's another girl who don't even play like that, and they'll say, that's wifey material. So I just feel it's necessary for part 28 of this Try Me series. Let's speak around this thought from this subject, wifey material. Wifey material. But I'm not going the way that you think I'm going. I want you to know that you, rather if you're a man watching this or a woman watching this, you are Jesus' wife. If you claim to be a believer and you're a part of the church, you are his bride. You are his bride. He is the bridegroom and we are his bride. And I think we need to ask ourselves the question, what type of wife am I? Woo! What type of wife am I? am I? And am I asking God to send me somebody when I'm not even a good wife to you already? What type of wife am I? And if you're saved, do you recognize that you are the bride of Christ? And instead of trying to get people to understand your love language, how about you try to understand God's love language? You know what his love language is? D, all the above. <laughs> all the above. Number one. Jesus loves quality time. He loves when you spend time with him in prayer. He loves when you dedicate the morning and just bask in his presence and seek his face and dwell in his word. He loves quality time when you dedicate the evening or when you set apart a time in your life where I'm fasting to get closer to God. I want to hear his voice. I want to know his sound. I want to be in his presence. God loves quality time. He also loves words of affirmation, but watch this. He loves words of affirmation, not because he needs to be affirmed, but he knows when you affirm him, it affirms you. Can I mess y'all up for a second? You don't read the Bible for God. You don't pray for God. You're not watching this message for God. You don't listen to sermons for God. You don't worship for God. Oh, that's for you, bruh. All that's for you, sis. You praying is not going to make God any more faithful. It's not going to make him any more holy. It's not going to make him any more righteous. You worshiping is going to help your mind stop worrying because you can't worry and worship at the same time. And a lot of us have got it twisted. We think we're doing God a service because we it's in church, because we're giving, because we're praying, because we're fasting. And God's like, don't you understand? I'm already holy. I can't get any more holier than I already am. I'm in the lane all by myself. There's no league. I have no confidence competition the devil's not even my adversary I have no no competitors no adversities you're doing this for you you're doing this for you words of affirmation but the affirmation affirms you he loves he loves when you use your gifts why because he gave them to you he loves when you worship yeah use that gift he loves when you exercise your gift of artistry your gift of speaking, that gift of business skills. I love when you do that because it shows me off. It shows me off. I love acts of service when you're serving your community, when you're serving your husband, when you're serving your wife, when you're ser serving in the church. I love service because you are the hands and feet of me. So it makes me look good when you do this. And God also loves physical touch. <laughs> you know how you touch the heart of God? Anytime you choose his will over your will, that touches his heart. 
Anytime you say, God, I want to do this, but I trust you and you're my husband and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to submit to you. It gives God glory. And if you like me, when I really got saved, like for real, for real, because there was a time in my life when I was like saved for fake. Like I knew the Bible, I knew the lingo, I knew the things to say, but I had no relationship with God, no prayer, no worship, no repentance. Repent for what? I just did what I wanted to do. But when you get like saved for real, for real, I had questions. I'm like, okay, God, if you hate sin so much, why did you have both trees in the garden? Like, if you want me to live holy, God, I need you to have like hailstones come down from heaven. You want me to stop clubbing, burn up every club. Help me out. Help me out. Don't give me the choice. Don't give me the choice. You want me to stop smoking weed? Burn up every marijuana leaf. Help me out. <laughs> like, God, if I hurt your heart so much, why give man an opportunity to choose between the tree of good and evil and the tree of what you said not to eat from? If you love us so much and it hurts your heart so much for us to choose sin, why give us a choice? Until I recognize God said, because I love you and I don't want you to have control. I want you to have free will. Because anytime you choose me over choosing what you want to do, that shows me that you love me. So I have both trees because I want to see, will you listen to me or will you listen to culture? Will you listen to me or will you listen to your flesh? Will you listen to me or will you listen to your mom and them? Which one will you choose? And somebody's sitting here like, you know what, but it's just so hard. It's so hard. I, don't, I still don't understand it, Jay. It's so hard because this tree looks so good. Could it be hard because you're facing the wrong tree? I don't know, man. It just seemed like the devil's so busy. Could it be busy because you're giving him so much work? Y'all don't want to talk. It just seems so difficult. Your whole friends are eating from the forbidden tree. The reason it's so difficult is because what you're facing. But if you ever bustle 180 and turn towards righteousness, holiness, purity, and see God's face, maybe it won't seem as hard if I surround myself with people who aren't eating from the wrong tree. <sighs> Y'all ready for this? I think we really have to understand. God is saying, I want you to love me. Peradventure to add insult to injury. If you're married or you want to be married, let's say you roll up on your spouse, go up to their work, and you ask them, hey, babe, wh where's your ring? I come up here to brought you, bring you some lunch. And like, oh, I I'm sorry, babe. It's, it's right here. How many of us will have a problem with that? It's one thing if you forgot it. It's another thing if y'all have some type of an agreement, but you ask him or you ask her about it, and they pull it out, oh, I'm sorry, babe. It, it, it's right here. Most of us would be like, okay, what you ashamed of? Why you took your ring off? I bet Jesus is like, why you keep taking your ring off to hang in that relationship? Why you keep taking that ring off when you go around your friends? Why you keep taking your ring off when you go to happy hour with them? Why you keep taking your ring off when you go into the strip club? Why you keep taking that ring off every single time he comes over your apartment at 4 in the morning? I want everybody to know that you're my bride. Represent me well. You are the bride of Christ. And I think it's necessary due to how culture is and the type of, us, and the type of messages that aren't really teaching us what true Christianity is. We need to park and we need to talk about this, your wifey material. And what does that look like? Let's get to work. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God from the beginning. And him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And him 
was life. And he was the light of mankind. God spent five days establishing the order. Created the waters, and still to this day, the waters have not stopped flowing since. He said, let there be light, then instantly there's light. Greater lights by day and lesser lights by night. And your God and my God are so awesome when he knows every single star in the sky by name. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Our God is powerful. He spent all of this time focused on the environment before the arrival because God knows the power of atmosphere. Somebody say atmosphere. He knows the power of atmosphere. And I believe he's showing us a picturesque portrait of how he operates. He's showing us I don't breathe in it until there has been created space for it. I don't breathe in it until there has been created space for it. See, a lot of us, a lot of us, we keep on window shopping at our dreams, but then purchasing our excuses. Window shopping at your dreams, but then purchasing your excuses. It's really not faithing it. I know we kind of made that word up. It's really not faithing it if we haven't prepared space in our life to receive what we're asking for God to extend. Because sometimes God will bless you with double. Let me give you Bible. Let me give you Bible. Y'all remember Rebecca, right? The woman who couldn't conceive. She couldn't have children. And her husband, Isaac, prayed. I'm not even going to bother that. I'm not even going to bother the power of having a praying man. And not just praying these nursery rhyme prayers. Brother, when you pray, does something happen? When you pray, does things move? When you pray, does stuff break? I don't even have time to bother that. But Isaac began to pray, and he asked God for his wife to conceive, and God gave him twins. As I believe sometimes God's like, okay, if you're bold enough to ask for one, I'm big enough to bless you with two. But the question on the floor is, have you prepared space to receive what it is that you've asked God to extend your way? He's showing us how he operates. I don't breathe in it until I have created space for it. Why else do you think scripture says, be ye always ready? Be ye always ready. In season and what? Out of season. If it was not a possibility for something to hit your life, that was a surprise that you should have been prepared for. Because when opportunity calls, only the prepared can answer. Did y'all hear what I just said? When opportunity calls, only the prepared can answer. And I think a lot of teaching and a lot of sermons have messed us up. It has us looking for open doors and has us looking for seasons where we're blessed and has us looking for us to be stepped in and everybody knows our name. But if we had more sermons that told you to value closed doors, yeah, thank God for that. Rejoice for that. I can get the whole room to shout if I say give God a praise for open doors. You're about to be ushered into a season under an open heaven. You're about to be ushered into a season where everybody's going to know your name. But if I say give God praise that don't nobody know you. Give God praise for off seasons. We don't really shout about that. But it's the off seasons that teaches you how to prepare. It's the off season where nobody sees your mistakes. It's the off season where you train. This is how when I learn how to use my slingshot. Nobody's watching but I'm learning how to defeat a lion I'm learning how to defeat lions tigers and bears oh my I wish we would rejoice for the pasture season nobody knows your name the season of obscurity because God is training you change your perspective just because the curtain is closed doesn't mean the production is over all it means is God is switching scenes 
I'm making myself happy up here. God is just switching scenes. Never mislabel bad weather as a bad season. Let me go a little deeper on y'all. Do you know that usually when the weather gets the most severe is due to the seasons changing? The weather gets the most violent when it's shifting from spring to summer. The weather begins, begins to become the most violent when it shifts from summer to spring. Never mislabel bad weather as a bad season. It could just be irrefutable evidence that you're in transition. Ah, he focused on the atmosphere before the arrival. He focused on the atmosphere before the arrival because I need an atmosphere that could sustain what I'm about to do. I need there to be water for Adam to drink. I need for there to be plants because plants release off, release off oxygen as a waste product. And mankind and humanity is going to grab that oxygen, consume it, and then release off carbon dioxide. And then the plants are going to grab the carbon dioxide, consume it, and then release off oxygen. And the circle of life is going to cycle. I need a system in place for what I'm about to send. Because God knows the power of atmosphere. Can I get on my soapbox? This is why I personally can't stand dull and boring praise and worship. I can't stand when people just fulfill a role and you don't even look like you want to be here. You don't look like God is good. It just looks like I'm doing due diligence and this is what I'm supposed to do. I can't stand dull and boring praise and worship. Why? Because it sets forth an atmosphere. This is why you don't want to surround yourself with complainers. Why? Because it sets forth an atmosphere. God knows the power of atmosphere. Why else do you think he said, into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise? Because it sets forth an atmosphere. God knows the power of atmosphere. He focused on the atmosphere before the arrival of man. Everything else he said, let there be. But when it came to you and me, he said, let us make irrefutable evidence of the triune. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then he breathed, <sighs> ruach, the breath of life on the inside of us. So now it makes sense. Say it one more time. It's in me. Yeah. Now it makes sense. It's in me. It's in me. Anointing is in me. Power is in me. Might is in me. Strength is in me. Shifting my bloodline. It's all in me. This explains why the enemy has been after you because he's after what's on the inside of you. He never wants it to become mature. He never wants it to get strong. It's in you. There's something on the inside of you that should break yokes. There's something on the inside of you that should change atmospheres. There's something on the inside of you that changes your environment. It's in you. It's in you, and God is saying, whatever is in you, the earth needs. I said all of that to say, the earth needs the church. The church is the lungs of the earth. We're the ones while the presence exists in the earth. This is where I'm going to build my church on this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You and I are the church we're wifey. We're wifey. And a lot of us have made the erroneous assumption that the church is just a building. Although that's not totally incorrect, it is incomplete. The church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means the assembly or the called out ones. 
Okay, so stay with me. This building I'm in right now at 10355 Mills Road, Houston, Texas, 77070, this building does not become a church until the assembly or a called out one gathers here. Y'all missed what I just said. This, this is just a building. Yes, the church doors may be closed, but the church is very much open. This is just a building. What makes it the church is when the assembly or the called out ones gather here. So whoever's watching this right now in your car, you having church. If you're watching this alone in your apartment, you having church. If you're in your dorm room with two or three of your friends, you having church. Because this is an area where the assembly, where the called out ones gather. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I personally believe every single time the church gets together, something mega should happen. I'm so tired of dull, boring, ritualistic, common, average Christianity. It was never made to be like that. You're supposed to be a planet shaker. I'm just convinced every time we get together, something mega should happen. Power should be released. There should be chains that fall off because the anointing breaks yokes. There should be anointing on preaching. There should be anointing on psalmist. There should be anointing on worship. And I'm just convinced that the power is here because Jesus promised us where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will also be in the midst of them. So this means right now the atmosphere is ripe for a miracle. The atmosphere is ripe for a break. And please don't let me get on my soapbox about breakthrough. I wish people would stop lying and telling you if you have a need, sow a seed. I'm about to mess people up. We have a whole generation that needs to learn this. A lot of churches lied to us, lied to us. They were just pimps with bishop collars. They were just businessmen in pulpits, and they wanted your money, so they said, if you got a need, sow a seed. We have a $300 line, and we have a $400 line, and if you want me to lay some oil on you, come down here. You got a $500 seed. That is not a breakthrough because you cannot sow your way out of rebellion. Oh, we're getting in trouble. We're going to get some emails about this one. Listen, you cannot sow your way out of rebellion. God doesn't just want your money. He wants your repentance. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your life, not your pocketbook. And the reason they won't preach this is because they don't want to affect their pocketbook. But I'm not called to be popular. I'm called to tell you the truth. This is why they killed Jesus, because he constantly kept telling people the truth. A breakthrough is when you used to get high, but now you're not trying to get faded no more. That's a breakthrough. Yeah. A breakthrough is when you used to always drink, nonstop and alcoholic, but you've been sober for the last six weeks. That's a breakthrough. A breakthrough is when you're a girl and you're no longer liking girls. I'm going all the way here. That is a breakthrough. A breakthrough is when you're a man and you no longer want a man. That is a breakthrough. But we're not going to do like most churches do. We're not just going to highlight the homosexual sin. We're also going to talk about the heterosexual sin. A breakthrough is when you're a man and you stop sleeping with that woman that you're not married to. A breakthrough is when you're a woman and you stop sleeping with that man that you're not married to. That's a breakthrough. Has nothing to do with legalism. It's nothing to do with legalism. It's everything to do that I'm carrying something. I'm pregnant with a ministry. I'm pregnant with a destiny. I'm pregnant with a calling. I'm pregnant with a purpose. I'm pregnant with a business. And due to what I'm carrying, I can't eat that. Because when you become pregnant, certain things now make you nauseous. 
It's due to what I'm carrying. Things I used to consume, they now make me sick. Just the smell of it now makes me sick. Just the atmosphere of it now churns my stomach. Not because of legalism, but because I'm carrying something. I have a baby of destiny in my soul, and now I'm making choices that are conducive for my destiny, not choices that are conducive for my flesh, not choices that are conducive for my loneliness. I'm carrying something. You're the church. You're the church. And that is a breakthrough. <laughs> That's what a breakthrough is. And the atmosphere is ripe for a miracle. You and I are the ecclesia. This building, the church, is likened unto your spiritual gym. It's your spiritual gym. And you know what I believe COVID has exposed? There's so many things that COVID has done. I mean, COVID has hit us hard with people dying, losing loved ones, losing jobs. Just 2020 is just doing 2020. Terrible. Terrible. I'm not even going to front. Hard year. To me, it all started with Kobe. Everybody on, that, everybody on that helicopter, it seemed like after that happened, just everything went downhill. It's been a hard year. But something I'm, I'm seeing that COVID is exposing, if church is the spiritual gym, COVID is exposing a lot of us don't have a home gym. Yeah. If, if you haven't lift your hands in worship, since that worship leader said lift your hands. If you haven't opened up the word of God, since that preacher said turn to chapter so-and-so and verse so-and-so. If you haven't had all night prayer, and if you haven't had prayer since that last prayer meeting, you just went to the gym for a spiritual gym, but you don't have a home gym. You don't have a home gym. You're just a communal worshiper. And so now your faith and everything is going down. I'm not saying that you don't have a moment. But I am saying don't allow that moment to have momentum. You can have your moment. It's hard. It's difficult. But at the end of the day, I got to build me a home gym. If that means building me a prayer closet, if that means having space in my life where I dedicate it to God, because even though I am many members of part of the body, I also need to work out my own salvation. I also need to get in the gym myself. The pastor should not be the only one studying. See, nobody likes to talk like this because everybody expects the pastor and the preacher to live it, but they don't expect you to live it. <laughs> you study to show yourself approved, not just me. Okay, y'all don't want that Bible, right? I'm trying to give you that real, real. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's recognizing that I also need to be diligent with my growth. I need you to evolve so hard that you got to reintroduce yourself. This is why it's stupid for people to gossip about you because most likely that's outdated information because I evolve on the regular. So listen, I want to remind you of your wifely duties. If you're wifey material, I want to remind you of your wifely, wifely duties. Number one, as a wife, you are called to represent. You're called to represent. I need, to I need for you to have that proposal energy. You know that energy ladies y'all have once he popped, you know, got on his knee and asked the question and you immediately posted, like, posted a picture of yourself like this? I need you to have that type of energy. You know them engagement photos when y'all looking real happy and now every picture you like this? Because you want everybody to see? I need you to have that same type of energy with the kingdom. Let everybody know that you're a believer. Let's look what the word says. I'm giving you a Bible. Look, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is saying, listen, I want people to know that you're married. I want them to know that you're mine. The same way you got that proposal energy and you flexing that ring, it could be a small rock, but you don't care. This means, listen, somebody wanted me and I'm off the market. The same type of energy you have when you post that picture, I need you to represent the kingdom like that. And you're like, okay, I, I hear you, but how am I supposed to represent? I'm glad you asked. We just got to go to the Bible. He texted us. He got 66 text messages. Let's go to the text. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says, let no one despise your youth. An elderly woman reminded me of that. She says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example. You see this? Be an example to the believers. How do you represent? In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith. Uh Uh-oh, here it is, and in purity. You want to represent me? He's saying, listen, represent me in the word. Represent me with that way you behave. Represent me with loving one another. Represent me in the spirit. Represent me in your faith. And represent me in your purity. Everybody say, wifey. Yeah. Number two, if you're going to be a wife, you know what your wifely duty is? Scripture is boss. Scripture is boss. It's the highest authority in our life. So when something encounter, when I hit something or I encounter a situation, I always reflect back to the word of God. Scripture's boss, not my feelings, because feelings are wonderful servants, but terrible masters. Ooh, write that down. Feelings are wonderful servants, but terrible masters. It's not how I feel. What does the word of God say I should view? What are my views on this? How should I feel about this? Yes, I'm angry, but scripture says be angry and sin not. And I think the problem with a lot of Christians is we know how to die, but we don't know how to live. I just got to say, God, forgive me, and my name going to be written in the Lamb Book of Life. I'm good. I know how to die. But Jesus rocked. Three years of solid, world-renowned ministry. Death was just a few moments on the cross. But he lived to show us how to live. Have you studied Jesus' life? Because the way he lived, that's how you're supposed to live. That's how you're on your wifey behavior. Scripture's boss. I may not like it. I may even cry because I'm denying my flesh and I'm submitting my will to the spirit. But at the end of the day, I'm your bride. Go ahead. Don't forget that proposable energy. <laughs> Scripture's boss. Number three, if you're going to have wifey material and you're going to be wifey material, you got to understand that I have to be Christ-centered and Holy Spirit-led. Christ-centered and Holy Spirit-led. I want you all to get this. It's not about going to hell. I know a lot of people preach that. You don't do this, you're going to burn. You don't do this, you're going to burn. It's not about hell. I don't go home every night to my wife because I fear her divorcing me. I I don't wash dishes because I fear her divorcing me. I don't clean up around the house because I fear divorce. I don't do nice things for her, rather bringing her something to eat or flowers or a teddy bear or making a poem or whatever. I don't do those because I fear divorce. I do them because I love her. I don't like washing dishes. I really don't. 
I don't like washing dishes at all. Y'all pray for me. I'm just being honest. I don't. But I wash dishes because it makes life easier for my wife. It, has a, it establishes order in my home. So there are a lot of things that I don't like to do as a husband, but I do them for the benefit of you. And as a wife and being the bride of Christ, there's going to be a lot of things God is going to ask you to do. And you're not going to want to do them. You're not going to want to talk to that woman who's ratchet. Okay, y'all don't want to be honest. <laughs> you're not going to want to turn the other cheek. You're not going to want to bite your tongue when somebody says something disrespectful. You're not going to want to do those things, but at the end of the day, it's not about me. I'm trying to please my husband. Jesus is my bridegroom. I hope y'all are getting this. It's not about fearing hell. It's about representing him well. All right? Number four, if you are truly going to represent Jesus and be a wife, number four, I must make much of Jesus. I have these pictures I want you to see. When I really got saved, for real, for real, this is what I started doing. I was a solar, I was a student pastor. We had something called Solar Student Ministry, and I named it Empowering the Sun. We're empowered by the sun. And we would go upstairs every Wednesday night, every Sunday, and I also had something like Friday Night Lives where I would get some of the young guys together. It was just men only. And we would get together, we'd play basketball, we had Bible study, I would order pizza, and I would pay for it. I would pay for it. We would go off to Galveston, to the beach, and I would pay for the whole weekend. It wasn't about money. It was about discipleship. And so then I started having concerts. I was never trying to be a rapper. <laughs> never. I got like a whole degree. I was never trying to be a rapper. But I did not like the music that they were listening to. So I started to drop bars. We started to freestyle. We would have the Oscord in the van and we'd all be rapping. I had no idea that would turn into a concert. We had 20 or 30 students there. It was cool for me because I was like 22, 23 years old, fresh out of college. I don't have nothing to do on a Friday night. Why not come up here in the sanctuary, put some smoke and some lights on, and rap about Jesus? That's all I was doing. I had no idea that would turn from 20 to 200 to 300 to 400 to packing out the church. Look at this. I had no idea it would turn into this. I had no idea it would turn into a tour. I had no idea this tour would turn into me meeting my wife. I had no idea that me and my wife would start doing webisodes. And those webisodes would turn into a redefined tour. All over the nation, I had no idea, but I was just passionate about making much of Jesus. And I found the secret, y'all. If you live a life making much about Jesus, everything that you really want, you're going to collide with on the way. Now I understand why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. A lot of us want the things, but we don't want to seek the kingdom. We don't want to study. We don't want to live pure, but we want the things. And God is saying, I'm tired of people who just want my hand, but they're not after my heart. If you're going to be wifey, you got to make much of me. Let people know who you represent. We had like 70 young men all jumping, unashamed, what? We unashamed, what? And just screaming that. We were boasting in the fact that we were virgins. Not ashamed of it. Boasting in the fact that we're not doing this. We were boasting in the things of God. If I boast in anything, I'm boasting about his grace. And I'm boasting about his mercy. Be passionate about evangelism. If you're wifey, you're passionate about evangelism. And you're making much of Jesus. Number five, I'm going to lose my whole audience. If you're going to be wifey, oh, you got to submit. 
Now listen, in the marriage context, we submit to each other. The husband submits to the wife. The wife submits to the husband. But it's a little different with God. God don't submit to you. (laughs) God don't submit to you. You submit to him. You submit to him. And this is the hardest thing. I know y'all not going to like this. Remember, Paul said this. This is a mystery. I'm speaking about concerning the church and Christ. It's not just about marriage. You know, the hardest thing about submission, especially in the marriage context, it's the hardest thing about it, I believe, is the man has the final say. I lost my whole amen section, right? So now look, look, look. Before you, uh-uh. Why you would a dude that you don't trust him out of the final say in the first place? Okay, all right. So now we're getting in trouble. We got to break this down. Understand, submission is never demanded. It's modeled. And truthfully, as a kingdom man, he never puts his foot down if it's not for the bettering of his family. It's never going to be about him. It's never, you submit, I want this boat, woman, I'm the man. It's never going to be like that. Never. He never abuses his position, just like God never abuses his position. He has the final say, and if he ever has the final say, it's always for you and the children, not himself. Not himself. If that's hard for you to swallow... And if you can't submit to God now, brothers, you need to take note of this. If this woman is not submitted to God now, what makes you think she's going to be submitted to you? If she can't submit to a God who is perfect, how is she going to submit to your behind and you imperfect? <laughs> Same thing, ladies. He, he needs to show submissive behavior now where he listens to authority now. It's the same thing. We submit to God. Submission. I tap out. God, what you say goes. I don't like it, but you know what? You have the final say because Christ is my head. Christ is my head, and I follow him in all that I do. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it does mean you will be perfected. Now, this is a difficult principle for ladies to follow this. You have to understand this. First of all, he has to be kingdom. He has to be kingdom. Of course, it's going to be hard for you to submit to a fool. A fool. Let my lip hang again. A fool. It's going to be hard for you to submit to a fool. We're not talking about that. God is saying, listen, this man is already submitted before you ever came on the scene. Before you ever came on the scene, he was already submitted to Christ. So actually, getting behind him is going to feel like something that you already have because he's never going to use his position to treat you with disrespect. I don't know about that. Listen, if you were someone who disrespected you, you actually kind of already disrespected yourself. Everybody wants to be kingdom until it's time to do kingdom. <laughs> Submission. Number six, if you're going to be wifey, you're devoted to discipleship. Devoted. Somebody's constantly pouring into me. Discipleship. Go therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. You know what disciples is? The root word in disciples is discipline. So he's saying, go make disciplined ones. Go make people who are disciplined. That's discipleship and devoted to that process. Now listen, discipleship requires nudity. I have to be honest, I have to be open, I have to be naked. Because I can't heal what you act like doesn't hurt. I can't. I'll tell you something else that a lot of us are hurt from. You can't expect the doctor to always call you, and you're the one with the virus. 
okay? They didn't call me. They ain't check on me. Okay, this is a person who's discipling you. All right, getting quiet. Getting quiet. Doctors follow up, but after a while, you got to let me know that you got aches. You got to let me know that you have issues. You got to let me know that something's hurting because I don't know if you don't tell me. And don't let all of this stuff that went down from generation to generation, suffering and silence, that stuff doesn't work. You will die miserable and in pain and blame everybody else because you never recognize sometimes you got to get ugly for your deliverance. You can't care what people think. You can't care that your issue is exposed because they can't save me anyway. I need to be able to be held to somebody who could disciple me. Now, I'm going to talk about this. This many times is not happening because I'm experiencing hurt in my home as a child, so I don't trust people. I don't have trust issues. And what people don't talk about enough, church hurt. I'm not letting nobody disciple me because it's going to mess you up. Point seven, um, if you're wifey, you got to have godly leaders. That's going to mess you up because, look, uh, you just told me I'm the, uh, 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 you already told me I'm the church. I don't need nobody. We do need each other. We're many members, a part of one body. You know what you are by yourself? You're just a pinky. <laughs> You're just a pinky. You know what your brother is? They're your ring finger. And I ain't going to flip nobody off so you get the whole metaphor. I need everybody. <laughs> I need everybody to make the hand. You can't do this on your own. So I need godly leaders to help me. Overseers. The reason you want to have overseers is because they can see over you. I could tell you a wolf is coming. That pastor could tell you, I know you want him, girl, but this is not it. This is not it. Yeah, but I prayed about it, and I got a peace. You got a peace because you want to be married. This man don't even really believe in the Lord. Y'all have two totally different belief systems. This, this is not going to work out. Well, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm grown. Go ahead. I'll see you back when you want to get counseling. Go ahead. See, but we're hurt because of something that happened in church. And I know it's a real issue because the place that was supposed to bring us healing has caused a lot of us trauma. So I don't trust church stuff. But I'm going to show you how Jesus handled this. Can I show you this? Look at this. Um, Matthew 21, Matthew 21, verse 12. It says, then Jesus went into the temple and drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money chambers. I'm not saying to go to nobody's church and do this. Overturned the money chambers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus didn't like what he saw. He didn't like what he saw in church. It made him mad. It made him upset. I believe if Jesus were to come down in what we call a lot of churches, he wouldn't even recognize it. What is this? This is church. This is church? This is church? Jesus didn't like what he saw. But let's hop down a few verses. Look at this. Verse 23, it says, Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. Hold up. Wait a minute. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus walked in the church. He ain't like what he saw in the church. He overthrew tables, money changes, let the doves and stuff go, was whipping stuff. He didn't like what he saw in the church. But then a few verses later, he's back in church. Hmm. Church is the only thing people give up on. I've never met anybody say, you know what, I bought a bad car. I'm done with driving. I'm only going to catch the bus. I'm done. I'm done with automobiles. I'm only going to catch the bus and ride a bike. I'm done. 
you know what? They serve me some nasty food. I'm done eating. I'm just drinking juice for the rest of my life. I've never seen anybody take the extreme measures with anything else. They just find a good automobile per person. They find a good car salesman. They find a good mechanic. They find a good restaurant. Go ahead and leave your review on Yelp that you didn't like it. But go find you another restaurant. In the same way, don't give up on the church. Jesus didn't like what he saw, but he went right back. Right back. And he was preaching, and he was teaching. And a lot of us, I don't do church because I don't like what I saw in church. You're the bride. You're the bride. Yeah, there's some corrupt churches. Yeah, there's some people. I'm calling it all out. Yeah, there's some people in the pulpit. They don't like you. And COVID is messing them up because they love crowds, but they don't love people. And so they don't know how to preach. That's why every time you watch their Facebook Live and every time you watch their YouTube, they send old messages and don't have nothing new to say because they did it for people. And they cannot minister when people aren't in the place because they did it for crowds, not for the kingdom. I know I'm telling the truth. And some of us are recognizing the very places that we call church were not a church at all. It was not a spiritual gym. And now you're disenchanted and feeling some type of way. And it's, you're questioning God, but really you should be looking at the church. The place that you call the church was not a church. It was just a business. It's the truth. Jesus didn't like what he saw. Let me give you more Bible just in case this is something hard for you to swallow. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly, remember that word, the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's saying, listen, there's some stuff that you may not like. There's some things that you may not, you know, may not agree with. But at the end of the day, do not forsake gathering together because you need each other. Many members, one body. All you are by yourself is a pinky. I need a hand. I need a wrist. I need an arm. I need a shoulder, I need a neck, I need a head, I need another shoulder, I need another arm, I need another wrist. I need all of these parts because they make up the body. You can't do this alone. If you're the bride of Christ, you have to understand many members, one body. We need each other. Truthfully, the church is a hospital. The problem is everybody can't be sick. And a lot of us are disenchanted with the church because you went to a church and there were no doctors, no nurses, nobody. Everybody got the virus. Point number one, I'm done. I feel like it's just heat. <laughs> number one, the church should grow you. It's a place where you grow. When you work out, weights break down weakened muscles. This is why you're sore. So a message like this, you can be sore, but you're a part of the church. It's breaking down belief systems. It's breaking down outlooks and perspectives because God wants you to grow. Number two, church disciplines you and disciples you. It's a place where I recognize I can't lift certain weights on my own. If I'm bench pressing, sometimes the weight gets too heavy and I need a spotter. That's what the church does. That's why I need each other. When I can't handle the weight, when I can't handle the strain, when I can't handle the difficulty of COVID right now, I need a brother, I need a sister, I need a word, I need somebody to help me lift this weight. Church disciplines you. And last point, church is you. That's who you are. Wife and material. So I need you to have that same energy. Let everybody know, I represent the kingdom. I'm wifey material. Because it's cheating to God. 
when we claim to be his bride but live according to our flesh. So, Father God, we pray. Help us to understand that you are a wonderful groom and the church is your bride. And, God, we've been so caught up with entertainment and messages that make us feel good, that are just quotable, but they're not biblical. Help us get back to a place, back to the basics, God, to where we fall in love with you. We don't just want your hand. We want your heart. Understanding that we're not perfect. That was your job. You were perfect. But, God, we're submitted. We're submitted and we're asking that you change us, you mold us, and you strengthen us so we could be the best wife for you. And let us, God, have that proposal energy. Flex into the world. I'm off the market, but I represent your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.